Welcome to the Instate London podcast. This is Matthew Grant, one of the partners at Instate London, and I'm delighted to have Robin Mertens, uh, one of our other partners, join us today. So Robin, uh, three months ago, you'd never listened to a podcast. Now you are joining me co-hosting our 18th podcast. Uh, what's happened? Yeah, no, I'm, um, uh, I'm a convert. Uh, firstly, the Northern Lions, not as noisy as it once was. And secondly, uh, there's a lot of good content out there. I enjoy both doing them and, and uh, listening to them. Uh, and, um, you know, in that context, we had some very good feedback from our one the other day. So that was the first half. Uh, and then we've got today the second half, which we continued after the break. Uh, with a number of the industry experts in there who you know, many we both know very well. Yeah, well, I thought um, there's nothing like hearing from the horse's mouth. Uh, and I think the format of five minutes each, uh, there's a lot of insight given in a very short period of time. And isn't it great, you know, how people actually who kind of just don't need to take the time to comment on it and to write what we, write up what we've done and, and uh, you know, makes, makes it all worthwhile at the end of the day if we get people giving us some recognition for this. I thought Land Sood is my new best friend. I liked his comments and I thought he contributed greatly on the night and one of many stars. Yeah, well, so we're going to be covering his LinkedIn write-up on the, the website on the event page as well. Good, well, let's let's crack on then. And so without further ado, uh, this is coming up now, the second half of the 29th of January podcast talking uh, about the views of 2018 and looking forward to 2019 from, as Robin says, some of the... Uh, the experts in the industry and you can also catch up on the details behind this on our website at www.instec.london. In this session what we're going to do is talk to um, some of the people that we at Instec London think are leading experts in their field. I want a perspective across uh, insurance companies, startups, investors, um, you know, those people who supply to the industry. So a broad section, so we can, um, you know, see what we take away at the end. Uh, each person gets five minutes, six minutes, I get a bit grumpy. So please welcome Sam Evans from EOS Ventures. Thanks, Robin. Uh, evening, everybody. So um, by way of background, uh, I'm sure many of you know us, but EOS is a dedicated insurtech investor. Um, our limited partners as well come from the insurance sector, so we have reinsurers, insurers investing in our fund. So we have a unique perspective because we're coming at it with an investment hat, but also working very closely with our limited partners to help them drive and accelerate their innovation strategy. So I really wanted just to share some thoughts on how we think 2019 uh, will evolve. Um, the first comment is a potentially severe correction in valuations, um, certainly a significant one. Um, and I know that I'm speaking from a position of self-interest here, but we really are getting to a point where valuations in insurtech are completely divorced from reality. And uh, it's not a helpful dynamic for, for the startups, certainly not for the investors. Um, I think we'll see a more general correction in, in the tech markets, but specifically for, for insurtech, uh, we need to see some um, that that connection being made between you know what's realistic versus uh, some some pie in the sky valuations. Um, that observation links to my second comment, which unfortunately I think we will see this year um, quite a number of failures um, in in, in short tech businesses. So a number of companies that started you know one two to three years ago are now really starting to um, or needing to prove that they can uh, actually drive real value. And uh, when you link that to the valuation point, um, you know, we're already seeing a number of down rounds, uh, businesses really struggling to raise uh, money given that the traction that they're delivering with their business doesn't match with, uh, with the valuation point. So um, whilst it's a shame, I think it's a natural evolution as the sector matures. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, we'll see a number of companies uh, hitting the wall, I think, over the next, uh, the next 12 months. My next observation um, actually links to the comments that were made uh, by the panel earlier is I think we'll see more ecosystem plays. And actually for us, we think about it a little bit differently when we talk about full stack. So I think we'll see more opportunities and value being created through initiatives that link distribution through to analytics capability, 
agile underwriting, digital claims, and capital market solutions. Um, we're certainly focused on how we can drive uh, strategic partnerships, alliances, um, really from the end to end, both in commercial line space, uh, but also in life and health, um, uh, you know, and some of the more niche parts of the market. But I think we'll see people more willing to embrace the partnership model um, and certainly we'll be looking at more end-to-end -end solutions to drive real value for the industry. There was a lot of discussion um, on the panel about incumbents and, and success or otherwise in driving innovation. I think this year, again, we'll start to see the gap widening. Uh, actually, in our, in our view, whilst we expect there will be some value transfer from incumbents to startups, uh, the biggest value exchange will actually be between incumbents. So those that are able to embrace innovation and actually drive real meaningful change to their business model um, have the ability, we think, to see a, a trillion dollar shift um, in value between, between the industry. So when you think about tech adoption, it's important to realize it's not a linear curve, it's exponential. So those that are doing it well, and there are a few, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll really start to see the benefits of that, their initiatives, I think, and we'll see the gap widening between those that are really, you know, have the right approach, um, and I'm embracing innovation to those that are paying lip service. And my final comment um, really relates to how we expect um, InsurTechs and innovation to develop within insurance. So as you all well know, a lot of focus on distribution, personal lines. I think um, it's been positive, particularly over the last 12 months. We've seen more focus on commercial lines, but also the core parts of the insurance value chain. So underwriting and claims, um, we certainly have a big focus uh, on, on those parts of the, of, the, uh, of the value chain. In claims, we're tracking um, about 70 companies at the moment that are doing different things across the, the claims value chain and it'd be interesting to see your, uh, your claims event um, coming up. So for us, it's, it, you know, there's a lot of value to be driven through actually working with insurers to drive fundamental change to the core process, leveraging um, AI, IoT, big data, et cetera, and to get much smarter around underwriting, um, active risk management, and automation of claims. And we're excited, I think, to see, see companies really drive that forward in 2019. Thank you. So next up, we have um, Milan Sud from um, AXA. He is head of innovation at AXA Partners. Uh, it's his first time here. I'll leave you to decide whether he comes from the insurance industry or from without. Hi, everyone. Um, so very different experience from last time I was in this nightclub, albeit I'm just as drunk. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Um, oh, wasn't expecting this. Um, but um, just a little, a few thoughts really on 2018 and moving into 2019. So um, 2018, I think, um, in this industry, and I come from the banking industry into insurance, so the fintech revolution, if you like, started happening in that industry um, earlier than it did in InsureTech. And 2018, I think, was, um, from an incumbent perspective, um, innovation for show. And I think 2019, as cheesy as it is, will be innovation for dough, certainly for us anyway. So, um, 2018 was about us really working with organizations to um, create the environment in which we could collaborate with startup and scale-up organizations. So I spent the first half of the year um, working with um, various controls functions, our business, to basically create an environment to allow partnerships and innovation to flourish. Um, as we moved throughout the year, we looked into kind of um, more around piloting, POCs, and I think that it's become a bit of a dirty word, certainly around um, from, a, from a startup perspective, whereby there's this view, yeah, you'll do a POC or pilot with us, but there's no chance that you'll move on to, um, to scaling up that proposition. But for me, really, 2019 is about how we scale up those um, propositions with, with the startups that we're already working with. So we've, we've proved concepts in 2018, some of them failed, and we're moving through to 2019, and hopefully we'll prove that some of them are monetizing and from the back end of last year, we are absolutely proving that, which is fantastic. The other thing that I think will be a massive trend um, in 2019 is um, cross-sector uh, collaboration. So um, AXA Partners, the, the, the bit of the business that I work for, is almost entirely B2B. I mean, you'll all know AXA is a big B2C brand, but we're operating almost entirely B2B, and we white-label our services for around 60% of the UK insurance market. So I'm regularly meeting with lots of different big insurers about what they're trying to do. But the thing for me is, 
organizations, regardless of sector, are facing the same challenges. Um, we are a necessary product. Um, telcos now are, a necessary, are providing a necessary product. Energy companies are providing a necessary product. And therefore, there isn't um, any engagement, or there hasn't been engagement up to now with brands. Um, customers find it easier than they ever have done to, to switch to a new provider. There's no loyalty whatsoever. But what we're looking to do is, is take those challenges and turn them into something that's quite benef beneficial for us. So if all of these organizations are facing the same challenges, we're looking at startup collaboration that not necessarily just drives stuff through insurance, but actually how do we create um, a, a co-developed proposition that will drive stuff into the energy sector or the telco sector? Because we as AXA should be partnering with these big brands. They have the same challenges as us. If we collaborate, we can bring them together. So I just want to share a little kind of one of the specific projects that we're working on that really brings this to life. So um, one of the product lines that I sit across is Motor. And Motor is a very um, difficult market, as I'm, I'm sure probably most of you are aware. Um, but when we spoke to customers and talking about engagement with um, insurance, it wasn't necessarily the insurance they found most problematic. We tried to speak to them about their ownership of their vehicle from end to end and what they found most problematic. And we ran a series of focus groups and people said to us, isn't it a real pain when you try and get your vehicle MOT'd or serviced or repaired, you turn up to a cold forecourt, to a guy who doesn't know how to speak to you with everybody else, um, and then try and pick up your car at the end of the day to find out your MOT's failed and you owe the mechanic a grand or so he tells you. So someone said in one of the focus groups, well, wouldn't it be fantastic if, as our insurer, you could also look after the service and maintenance of our car? Now, we partner with an organization out of our AXA Camet venture called Fixter, who basically will pick up your car from wherever you want it picked up from. They'll drop it off wherever you want it dropped off to at the end of the day. And in between all of that, they'll keep you up to date digitally. And they have a team of mechanics in-house who will basically challenge on your behalf if any work needs doing. Now, in our business, that was something that was fundamentally different. Oh my goodness, we're gonna go into vehicle maintenance and repair, and actually we're gonna try and monetize it, and no, we can't do that because we don't have loads of data to tell us what we should and shouldn't be doing. But actually, we have a big brand, we're good at building networks, and we can expand our value proposition way beyond just an insurance contract. So for me in 2019, it will be collaboration with startups and scale-ups to differentiate our propositions, it will be collaboration with organizations well outside of the insurance sector. And it will be continued evolving of our products to provide services that don't necessarily have an insurance contract that sits behind it. Thanks. Thank you. Next up is Niall uh, Barton, who's an old friend. So he doesn't mind me, to, please, if I, he doesn't mind me telling the story. But last time he was here, I introduced him as a rock star of InsureTech. Uh, and what I didn't know was his son was in the room and he's been relentlessly teased about it by his family ever since. So can we welcome back our rock star, Neil, Niall, come and tell us what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, doing, doing, doing a reunion tour for the nth time. Um, okay, so uh, I'm not gonna do a market commentary. There are plenty more people uh, who are much more capable of doing that. Um, I'm gonna do a case study of risk. Uh, there are two uh, insurtechs, so uh, Eric and, and I uh, on tonight, and I thought it'd be interesting to give you a, a window inside uh, one of them. So um, I'm gonna, first of all, do a, just a review of 2018 and then a, a look forward into 2019. Um, I have to do it. Um, with uh, the, the letter P at the beginning, so I, rem I remind myself what, uh, what I'm going to talk about. First of all, product. Um, so uh, we, in 2018, we became an operational company. We launched two products. Uh, one was um, on our, our app, which is a multi-product uh, app, and we launched the contents uh, uh, onto the app store. Uh, we also launched a motor product for BMW. Um, so operational business, very different from, uh, from 2017. So performance, um, in the three months uh, since they launched, we've written about 1.2 million of premium. Um, the app, uh, direct B2C, really tough. So um, what Sam was saying about you know, the, the, the world of InsureTech, it's incredibly tough. Uh, however beautiful your, your, your product is, um, if you can't get it out there and people don't know about it, um, it's really tough. So, B2C, for us, will be really a place where we experiment, where we uh, test things out with customers, 
and it helps reinforce really our, our product, which is predominantly going to be focused on, on B2B to C. So um, as performance in terms of partners, um, really up till uh, the, the, you know, the end of 2018, we, we felt we were going to be uh, B2B to C. So what, um, what uh, VCs like to call alternative distribution. Um, and uh, our largest one is BMW, uh, which we have a multi-year deal with. Um, uh, absolutely delighted with that. So, um, and, but there are, you know, big fish are pretty difficult to come by. We have another one which we're working on, which we hope to announce quite soon. But the, but the rest of the relationships in terms of distributing the sort of B2C products is, is really through these sort of ecosystems. So um, partnerships, we're working on one with the Challenger Bank, with other sort of wealth organizations, and where we give you know, vouchers to uh, be used uh, uh, so that our products are available on their, on their website and their apps. What we're not doing is lots of social spend of spur, uh, spraying and praying. So, um, you know, hence, you know, our, you know, the uptick on, on just selling the app B2C is slow. Um, in terms of people, we've got about 25 people in London and about 10 out in uh, Rainham and Essex supporting the BMW account. 25 people in London is expensive. You know, if you want to hire good engineers and good designers, they're expensive. So um, this is a big, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's very challenging building an InsureTech, I, I can tell you that. Um, in terms of place, uh, we decided as we'd uh, rolled out our product in the UK, we needed to uh, communicate that around the rest of the world. So traveling in the US, Japan, India, to just explain what risk is all about. And, you know, it's been well received. Um, in terms of pounds, uh, we raised uh, a round on Cedars, as many of you may know. We raised uh, just over a million pounds in May of last year. Um, Cedars has been really useful for us. We've raised, um, you know, 1.7 million in all. We've got 1,000 investors from 28 countries, one line on our cap table. And, you know, we've been able to have partnerships introduced to it, staff, found staff. It's been a really a useful way of us, um, you know, revealing to the general public and building ambassadors. VCs, not very good for us. Um, they love our product, but they want it later. Um, so that's difficult. The, the, the win for us is, is corporate VCs, and particularly insurers. So look, insights into uh, 2019. Um, reflecting on what we've built, we've built a platform, multi-product platform, mobile first, end-to-end, -end, and that now working across multiple products um, is very exciting. And we've realized when we ask around, actually very few people have got that. Um, so what's happened now, and what's going to be an increasing trend for us in 2019, is insurer interest. Um, because they know they can't build that. We saw a, a, you know, a CEO of a large insurer this week. I'd love to have what you have. We can't build this stuff. So um, insurer interest is probably, um, I think, the biggest thing for us, and, and establishing what our business model is outside of the UK, where it'll probably be some form of license, is actually where we'll scale. So I disagree with the panel earlier that you've got to be, um, uh, you've got to be full stack. You know, I've been inside an insurer. I know how hard it is. Um, so I don't think that is the way to, that, that we feel that we should do it. I'm just going to do one little wild card, which I think for 2019. Um, in, we formed, a number of us formed uh, InsureTech UK um, not long ago. And that's a, uh, uh, an association of just the InsureTechs. So we've got 37 members who've signed up who want to be able to talk and chat to each other. And, and it's a very much uh, complementary to, to Robin and Matthew's organization here, which is brilliant. This is just, InsureTech UK is just for those InsureTechs to be able to talk together. And the view is, I think like, like Robin, we want London to be uh, a real global hub for InsureTech. Uh, we've got a very good regulatory body, uh, you know, the FCA and the Sandbox, we went through that, it was very good. But it's really difficult to get insurer capital, really difficult. And we need to so solve that. And also we need to be able to attract overseas uh, insurtechs into this country to be able to access insurer capital. So if you think about it, who has got, um, who has got uh, home, of, who was the home of innovation of insurance and, and who's got overseas licenses 
to, for, to be able to transact insurance. Uh, and who needs a big score? And I think it's Lloyd's. So um, I and a few other people are involved in, hopefully, uh, pushing an initiative to set up a, an insurtech syndicate at Lloyd's. So that's my wild card for 2019. Aon are now corporate members um, of uh, Intertech London. Uh, they do so, you know, with real ambition. They're things that they want to do. Um, to, to give us an um, insight into that, Dominic, come and tell us what you're doing from your point of view. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Good evening, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. Hopefully, you've now had enough food and wine for me to gently send you to sleep. Um, so, I was recently asked by a colleague why I'd actually be speaking here, and whilst over text I couldn't tell if the insinuation was that I'm woefully underqualified or whether they were actually curious, it does provide an important starting point. So prior to joining Aon, I actually sat where many of you are sat in this room. Um, I used to work for a fintech firm. I joined very early on as one of the first few employees, and last year it was one of the fastest growing startups in London. Moving to Aon meant moving from a 50-person office to a 5,000-person office, um, and part of my role at Aon is working with an incredibly talented team on our push into InsureTech. So from this speech, I'm hoping to give you a little bit more information about who we are, um, what we're doing in the space, because I know, uh, I gather from, from our chats that it's not too visible, and also touch on our really exciting new partnership with InsTech. So Aon are one of the largest uh, insurance and reinsurance brokers globally, but we're also a professional services firm. So we have analytics teams, strategy consultancy teams who work on InsureTech. It's, I think, important for me to say that we have relationships everywhere, um, across the market, in different lines and expertise in a variety of areas. The team for InsTech is cross-divisional uh, in the UK office, and it's really a culmination of the idea of Aon United. So what are we doing in this space? Well, InsureTech is a key growth area from group level all the way down. So we have a new ventures group, which was recently set up by our chief innovation officer. And the idea there is to, for the firms that we've bought or partnered with to incubate them and really address some of our clients' challenges. We have an enterprise analytics network so that's leveraging our internal networks and data analytics and creating new tools, which I think will be really, really useful for the InsureTech firms that we partner with. Um, we have an InsureTech working group in the UK, and the idea there is that for firms that we do partner with, we can connect you with the right person. And the InsTech team in reinsurance and in Inpoint, um, we're working on two partnerships at the moment. One is with Startup Bootcamp. Um, I'm sure some of you will have read that in the news. And then our other new partnership, which I'm really excited to announce and be here for, is for Instech. So what are we, I suppose, hoping to, to achieve for our partnership with Instech? Well, partly it's to get employees from our organization coming to events like these, engaging with you, talking to you, learning from you, um, and just being interested in the space, being at the forefront of change. Perhaps more interestingly for some of you in the room, we're also working with them on a series of range-finding exercises where we're hoping to use their expertise to actually find us the right firms to partner with. Now, these are every few months, and the idea is that we... Well, I suppose I, without giving too much away, maybe, I'll touch on our first one. Our first one will be around data and analytics. So... We're hoping to see how insurtech firms are using third-party data or maybe public data in ways which either create new products or innovate existing products. Um, so, for example, you might use social media interaction to gauge reputational damage with a payout based on a parametric trigger. If you're innovating in this space, we'd absolutely love to see you. So, in conclusion, I think it's important for me to say that from a personal perspective and also from a group perspective, we don't just see you disrupting the space. We really see you complementing what we do. We are definitely very aware that we are working on how we operationalize the people that we partner with, the firms that we partner with. We are very much on our own learning curve as well in this process. 
Um, but I think that, and I promise I'm not paid to say this, that we're a fantastic firm to partner with. Um, we really do have relationships across the market. We have expertise in absolutely every area. And most importantly, we have a team which is really, really motivated now to go out there and work with you and work together. So thank you so much for your time this evening. I will be around afterwards. I would love to, to speak to some of you. Please do come over if you're looking at just connecting, working together, whatever it might be. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dominic. That, I mean, that's, I've sat here and I've teased the brokers for the last couple of years and I'm genuinely thrilled that they are you know, part of this and they will be a very good partner to work with in terms of scale and reach. Our relationship got off to a really bad start though because they sent me the list of people they wanted to come today and I said that none of them could come because we were full. So we're, we're, working, we're working on it, we know we'll get better. Tell them to sign up quicker. So next up we have Maddie Bailey from um, MS Amlin from an insurer perspective, long-time friends of Instech London. Maddie, what are you up to? Right, hi everybody. Um, so I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but um, humans weren't really meant to fly. All the other animals out there that don't have wings, they kind of just walk around. So it's obvious, and I guess somewhat intriguing, that humans are the species that are good at the change and do all the change. And I think that this, that's something that we ought to remember um, when we think about innovation in, in our market, that at a biological level, we are absolutely hardwired to do this. Now, I don't claim these thoughts as my own. Um, those of you who came to our Neuroscience of Innovation event that we hosted with Instinct London last year will know we spent quite a bit of time with Professor Dan Cable from London Business School really looking at the human aspect of innovation um, and what that means and what that means to our business and how do we build that into the fabric of our organization. And I think for me, one of the biggest challenges as we're going into 2019, um, both with, uh, within incumbents, with startups, as a market, and within this community is really to think around how do we really harness that um, and make, make that work for us um, as human beings. Now, Dan also had another metaphor that I really liked, which I think pretty much sums up where I think we are in 2018, which is we're trying to fly the aeroplane while we're trying to fix it. So we try, we've got to keep the business running, but at the same time, we've got to leave enough space for innovation so that we can try new things when we might not even know how it's going to turn out. So within our philosophy, within MS Amlin, and certainly the more radical and exploratory parts of innovation is we don't really know how it's going to turn out. And I think for a lot of incumbents, that can be quite a scary place to be. So what have we within MS Amlin been doing? Um, as most of you know, we set up MS, MS Amlin Edge uh, about two years ago. We look at um, innovation across three levels, tactical, radical, and exploratory. Our view is that you've got to be doing something in all three. Um, the first level is tactical innovation. So that really looks at what technologies out there, what insurtechs or startups could we partner with that could help us improve how we do things today. Um, a good example of that for us within MS Amlin is our robotics process automation um, capability that we've built from the ground up through um, lead, being led through David Melvin. Um, we've got Lisa Bott that's running 24-7, um, helping our counter-fraud unit identify instances of fraud um, on a permanent basis, and that's a really success factor for us. Um, we're looking at uh, digitizing the market reform slip and how we ingest that into our policy admin system um, and into our data lake and drive better data analytics around structured data. So that's another good example, I think, of um, tactile innovation within MS Amlin. Um, big shout-outs to startups that we've worked, at, worked with um, in 2018, specifically in the tactile innovation space. Um, first of all, hats off to Richard Hartley and the team at Saitora. Um, we've been delighted to work with you to think around, to work with you to um, use your um, risk engine to support how we do risk selection and to improve underwriting performance in our commercial property portfolio. Really, really exciting work. Um, we've also been delighted to work with um, Consurus, who are backed by EOS Venture Partners. 
to look at um, how we use um, data-driven um, analytics to um, really have a more granular view as to the um, behaviors within our marine hull book and to really start to think around how we look at migrating to a much more digital wor world in marine. Um, MIS, I don't know if Forbes or Zosh is in the room, known Forbes for a long time, um, really excited about the opportunities of imagery, um, particularly um, to support our uh, claims proposition and, um, and also to think around how you could use um, more um, innovative um, imagery use cases such as with drone technology or UAS um, to, to support that. So I think that's also really exciting. Um, last but not least, I had the pleasure of seeing Eric um, and Anna and the team um, at Digital Fine Print at their new offices across the river. If you haven't seen it, it's a great place to go, so go and visit. Really exciting. Um, and, and that's really looking at how you can do derive data-driven insights for, to enhance your client proposition. So again, I think a really, really exciting space for us. And I'm going to um, exert sponsors' privilege and go slightly over time. Um, so the next level for us is uh, radical innovation. So that's really thinking around how you, can you use innovation to um, really kind of shift your business model. Um, we were delighted to take a minority stake in Envelop this year the um, digital um, cyber MGA, and I know Envelop are in the room, so I don't know where you are, put your hands up. I did see your names on the, on the, um, on the list. Uh, oh, he's gone. <laughs> so I, I, think that's really, I think that's really interesting for us because it's taking a traditional business model but doing something radically innovative um, with how you, how you analyze the data. Um, and we call it PCNC, which is property casualty and cyber, so really exciting. Um, and then, of course, my passion project, which is, of course, um, blockchain and our work on uh, InsureWave, collaborating with um, XRXL, uh, Willis Tars Watson, Maersk, and the dynamic team from EY and Guard Time. If you don't know Guard Time, please take the effort to go find out what they do. They are amazing in the cryptography space. And I think that's going to be a real interesting space for us as we go forward into 2019. And we really start to see those kind of players in the blockchain space going into production. The third level is exploratory innovation, so that's just fooling around in the kind of sandbox environment. The kind of work we're doing with that is to develop our risk insights capability, so looking at how you can use supercomputing power um, to derive um, insights that could help you, um, help you um, support your MNCs and how they manage currently uninsurable risks, like reputational risk, for example. Um, we're also working closely with our parent, MSNAD, in Japan and across our MSI international footprint across the globe, across the globe, to look at how do we think about insurtech megatrends on a global basis. Um, we've set up a global digital working group that meets quarterly. We're going to Silicon Valley in a couple of weeks to go have a bit of fun and fun and. I don't know, maybe not plug and play, but definitely a bit of fun in Silicon Valley. Um, but it's, it's a really serious attempt to really start to think around how do you start to leverage um, as, a, as a global organization your capability um, and, and to derive some kind of competitive advantage. Um, something else that's unique for us within our group is that we have a strategic collaboration partnership with um, the Fairfax Group. Um, and I think that's another great example of where collaborating with your competitors can derive value for both, both parties. And our um, project with MIS is a great example of where we've done something with the Fairfax Innovation Arm um, using UAS. So I think that's really, really exciting for us. Um, in closing, um, I think really just to reiterate my point of view, which is around this um, culture and climate is absolutely critical for this market. And I think the leadership that's required to really drive us forward is fundamental for, for what we do. Um, people think that the risk of failing or messing up by doing something new and innovative is, is really the, is the consequence of not trying new things when I think really the real risk is not doing anything at all. So I think that mind, mind shift, um, mindset shift is really important. And finally, to all the amazing women in InsureTech in the room and those who listen to this on a podcast, can I just give you a massive shout out? I think you do amazing things. I saw Jenny from XRXL, Helene, all the others. I think you're great. Please keep on carrying on and, and driving us forward. And that's it for me. For those of you who want to know how you get an extra couple of minutes, you pay 25 grand a year to be a gold sponsor and you can speak for as long as you like. Okay. That's how it works. We're not stupid. 
Uh, talking of which, our new gold sponsor for this year is 90 Consulting. Uh, they're an uh, insurance product design agency. Um, to tell us what they're up to and get their insights into corporate product innovation, here's Tom Hardcastle. Um, you haven't got quite as long as Maddie. She paid last year as well. Thank you, Robin. We'll exercise our privilege in another event. Um, yeah, so Tom Hardcastle, I'm a partner at uh, 90. We are a consulting organization and practitioners um, who help insurers, so help incumbents innovate and thrive. Um, some reflections then on 2018, three reflections and then some uh, predictions for 2019 that we can replay in a year and see how wrong they were. So the first is, uh, in terms of 2018, Digital services growth. The panel earlier was, um, I think, a little bit negative in terms of seeing some of the adoption of, of digital, particularly in personal lines, and the growth from what was originally quote and buy only to midterm adjustments, renewals, claims, and overall customer interactions now. Up to two-thirds of all customer interactions are digital and digitized. So if you like, the learning from 2018 is the customer appetite's absolutely there. The usability is improving all of the time, particularly smart FAQs, chatbots, and the like. And we are now seeing this spread through from personal lines to commercial lines, both SME and larger corporate as well. And so we will see this become the norm, albeit it's been a slow burn, but we are seeing traction now. The second is around IoT, and that is now starting to move into the mainstream, whether that's connected cars or smart home. Although there's still a way to go, we see some significant partnerships that took place in 2018 the likes of uh, Aviva's major shareholding in, in Neos, for example, but also the ability to smell, sell smell, smart home kits um, and also insurance and risk management information services through the likes of Amazon. So to be able to buy a whole package now, that is available. And also elements of autonomous vehicles and their capabilities starting to play into services and propositions. Okay, it might not be the full autonomous vehicle yet, but some of the elements that are there are playing in. So the learning is we are starting to get some traction there. Customers are seeing the benefits, and we're also seeing a growing service offering, which isn't just on price here, um, as, as we get closer to the risks actually being underwritten and a move um, over time to prevent rather than protect. And the third theme from uh, 2018 that we're seeing is actually innovation uh, spreading. Uh, again, perhaps more positive than the panel earlier because as 90, we are closer to insurers that want to do this and the parts of their business that are doing it. But we are seeing disruptive, new and innovative ways of thinking um, taking place both in perhaps with the usual suspects, but also in the darker recesses that were perhaps uh, uh, forbidden or out of bounds previously. Um, so we see that's more positive and new ways of processing, of administering, new propositions themselves coming to market and improvements both in expense ratios from an internal perspective, new revenue growth, but also this overall theme of customers taking greater control. So that's a view of 2018. So looking forward to 2019, what, what are the themes we see? So three. Uh, the first is for incumbents that there's greater value uh, given to exploring. So corporates are now placing greater value and appetite on experimentation, and it's getting into the zeitgeist of organizations, recognizing still there's a, a way to go and an MVP mindset of let's test that minimum thing, let's really focus the idea down rather than all in starting to prevail. And a focus on user needs as well and unpacking what the value chain looks like. The panel earlier said potentially there are too many players in the value chain, but understanding who the end user is, the actual pol policyholder themselves, and then all of the pieces of the chain playing there. And rapid decision making also starting to play in uh, alongside this exploring. Um, in order to design and prototype quickly or to fail fast and take the learns. So the trend is really this removal of the shackles of inertia that were previously there and of a corporate governance burden and an openness to new approaches and also partnering combinations as well. And so the second linked with that is this best of both mindset. So corporates and startups um, combine strengths rather than seeing themselves as rivals. And it, it plays to the theme earlier of uh, ecosystem. Uh, so we see better engagement, better onboarding of startups, slicker onboarding of startups to actually work and test ideas. The convergence of new data and old data, so incumbents with a lot of history, um, new startups with new data and new ways of looking at things, and actually how do we work the best of both. 
and also the opportunity to actually uh, balance the uh, skills of startups and incumbents. So, for example, um, travellers playing third-party claims administra uh, administrator for the rideshare uh, startup firm Lyft. So the trend is more combined rather than combative, which I think shows the maturing that we're seeing there. And the final theme is that of loyalty and personalized services. So um, a growth in rewarding customer loyalty in a much more personalized way. Um, insurers using the data that they have to underwrite risks to actually better understand why customers are loyal to their organization and incorporate these learnings into products and services. So we see that that's starting to play out in the growth of personalized services as well. Um, the likes of aggregators such as Compare the Market offering their Auto Sergey, Auto Meerkat, um, which has started with regard to energy price checks uh, in order to make sure customers are getting the best deals, uh, but we'll soon move into insurance. And we'll also deal with your previous insurer if you're looking to, to move. So you can see this offer of one place for all for servicing, not just for insurance, but also for ancillary services around home repair, maintenance services, and so on. And so insurance, uh, surprisingly, could become a more high engagement product or proposition for the customer. So the trend there is very much about taking the effort away from the customer and really replacing it with both value-add services and potentially higher engagement as well as part of a broader ecosystem. Thank you. Tom, thank you. Those guys are right at the front end of innovating in many of the larger organizations, so um, good insight. Uh, Eric, long time, Eric Abrahamson, long time friend of, um, uh, of Intertech London, come and tell us what uh, your startup journey has been like the last couple of years going forward. Thank you. Good evening, everybody. I'm Eric Abrahamson, founder and CEO of Digital Fine Print, or DFP. And when I look at back at 2018, I think there are three big trends that are continuing into 2019 that I'll share with you. The first is that the startups are becoming scale-ups, insurers are going from being reactive to proactive, and we also see a move that's been mentioned before from only personal lines innovation to commercial lines. If you look at the startups, last year a lot of them started growing exponentially. We saw Concerus getting some great traction as we mentioned before. Casco expanded into new markets, bought by many, did Series B funding, first one here in the UK. So we see a lot of big traction happening. In our case, we tripled the team, went into new markets, and it's an exciting time to be running a company in this space. We think it's gonna continue, especially driven by the investments that insurers are making in this space. There are now 63 corporate VCs run by insurance companies. On average, they have 100 million USD to deploy in terms of capital, and most of them focus on Series A. So that means that many of them are deploying capital in that slightly later stage, not just angel, seed investment, there's actually less investments in that space, and more on the Series A. So we're gonna see that continuing, is our prediction. Second is that uh, insurers, some of them used to be proactive, they tried to engage, we've seen AXA Partner as one example. Hiscox Futures used to be out taking coffee with loads of startups and companies, but now in 2018, we also saw others like Emma Samlin running the InsureWay initiative, QBE, Euler Hermes, and others became much more proactive. And we do see that as an organization. We get more inbound requests, more things are happening. The brokers are getting engaged in this space as well. And that proactive nature is key if we're gonna be able to create strong partnerships. As a provider, if you will, we have to spend a lot of time pitching into insurance companies, and we love it, it's so much fun. But it's also great when it happens the other way, so going from reactive to proactive becomes extremely important. We think we'll see that with some more strategic investors like Geos Venture Partners, helping companies like ours to do that in a better way and be able to manage that transition will be extremely important. If you look back a few years, the first couple of companies that came in this space, the Lemonades, Troves, and other amazing examples, tended to focus on personal lines. And I think that was because most people could connect to it in an easier way, you could understand the process and the product, and therefore, a lot of innovation happened there in the early days. After a while, however, that started becoming more of a used-up space, new ideas had been tried out, and the companies kind of ran their course. We saw that with NEOS, great exit coming, being acquired by Aviva. So they've already run the course around the entire development of a startup. That hasn't happened yet in commercial lines. 
And that's by far the biggest trend we saw in 2018, with new innovations being launched there, new companies becoming. We tried to do both personal lines and commercial lines, and it almost broke the organization in half. Then we focused down on commercial lines and SME, and everything started working. So finding an untapped opportunity where things haven't happened yet became a much better strategy forward. We're probably gonna see much more um, activity in the space. We see more companies like Next Insurance in the US making great inroads in the commercial insurance space. And because there's so much work to be done, we see potential for many great things happening there as well. In terms of what's gonna happen and not change in the future, there are certain things that will remain true even at the end of this year. I feel that insurance technology and insurance in general is really a team sport. It's still built on relationships. We're still meeting person to person all around. And that's extremely important and we shouldn't forget about it. That's why networks like this are so important. That's where people can meet each other, exchange ideas and try out new things. And I'm extremely happy to hear that there's now an international component and strategy behind Instech London becoming the Instech of the world, if you will. If we can do that well, if we can create London as a strong ecosystem in the middle of the world, then the great things can happen, both for the companies in this space, for the insurers and ultimately for the end consumer. So those were three big trends. Startups are becoming scale-ups, many of them growing very quickly. We see much more of a move from a reactive approach to a proactive approach for the leading insurers and brokers in the space. And we also see much more innovation in the commercial lines of insurance. Thank you so much for listening. Let's grab a drink later. Looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks. So uh, you can't have an event like this without having Munich Re Digital Partners um, at the, at the at the table that they, I think, are doing more than anybody and risking more and trying more. So to tell us what they're up to, Saad Kula, come and tell us all about it. Um, thank you very much. Um, so uh, I'm Saad Bikula. I am the European Portfolio Manager for Munich Re Digital Partners. You'll have to bear with me. I am a last minute standard, um, so I do apologize. I do have my notes. Um, so a couple of the startups who have been on stage, Rockstar, Mr. Nile Barton, Team Risk, uh, BBM, Trove, all of the big deals who you've mentioned, um, I have had the privilege of working with them. And believe me, being in this space makes me feel beyond privileged. Um, I, I just think it's, it's wonderful, which I feel I should, I should mention because I'm freaking in short tech all the way. Um, so um, in terms of kind of my reflections for, for 2018, so... Um, I guess two things really, really jump out at me. Um, firstly, I'm a, I'm a portfolio manager, I deal in projects, um, and one of the things that I started seeing a lot of is that for the tech components of our various projects, um, the tech solutions were actually being provided by the insurtechs themselves. So this concept of sort of platform as a service, whether it's, um, you know, Slice, Trove, etc., it's becoming more and more prevalent. Um, and these guys are leveraging their, their, their sort of, sorry, pivoting kind of their, their business models, if you will, um, to, to launch really, really elegant platform solutions. Um, after all, these guys know insurance, they know the compliance, the regulatory, the, the, you know, the whole shebang of the insurance world. And what they're launching and then licensing to, to other users is, is stellar. Um, so, so that, for me, really jumped out um, as one of the key things of 20, 2018, sorry, which was almost a byproduct, um, but a really great byproduct nonetheless. Um, the, the, the second reflection of 2018 was um, this concept of variations in, in offering. Um, so in, in, my, in my head, rather simplistically, I believe that initially when InsureTech started, there was this wave of um, revolutionizing the, the customer journey um, to you know, digitize it, um, to, to tweak the product slightly to make, to make the offering more compatible with the way that our consumers are now ingesting insurance. Um, but I think that that's been done. Um, it, it's been done really well, um, but, but I think it's been done enough. So, so the, the, the startups who are scouts were, were, were meeting and seeing, they were just, they, they were almost repeating this art of, of kind of perfecting the customer journey, modifying the product. And I think that was getting um, a bit sort of status quo. Um, on top of that, what was happening is incumbents were upping their game by way of, um, you know, their, their front-end technology stacks were really, you know, starting to look a lot sharper. They, they, they were bringing all of, um, basically, all of the customer journey enhancements in, into one line. 
So one of the things that, that jumped out um, to us as a digital partners team was we were kind of waiting to understand, like, who's going to do the second wave? Who's going to, you know, do something actually useful with data? Who's going to take machine learning and kind of, you know, change it from a buzzword into actually something? And who's going to take AI and, and, and kind of do AI with purpose. So actually, rather than creating like a, like, like a solution and, and a problem in one, actually find a proper problem and solve it with AI. So I guess that was my kind of second theme of 2018, which was kind of leads into 2019. But what's the next kind of wave of these insurtechs and who's going to kind of be leading the, the pack in that respect? Um, in, 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 terms of, um, in terms of my prediction for 2019, um, I, I'd say it's, it's um, OEMs and large distributors. Um, so when I think of you know, um, the, the people who've been coming through the door at Digital Partners, we have had a lot of interest from these large distributors. And um, gradually, I think that they, they want a slice of this insurtech pie. And I think it's largely, I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of go with, uh, with thinking on the positive. I think it's because they want to engage better with their customers and they understand the fact that the guys sat in this room and within the community are doing such a great job of, of you know, working through the customer journeys and, and, and providing that synergy with, with what is now our end consumer, our millennials, whichever generation you want to call them. Um, so I think, in essence, that the B2B2C model um, will get a lot more airtime and I think overall, the traction that we're going to gain with these um, OEMs and large distributors is, um, is perhaps, um, I, I think, going to be quite a, a prevalent theme within, uh, within 2019. And we'll overall fortify and make stickier the, the proposition um, for, for, these, for these larger manufacturers. Thank you very much for your time, guys. Thank you all. Uh, a really big thank you to our speakers. That was a fabulous session and some really, really good insights. The next one is March the 5th. Uh, we're going to talk about claims. Uh, anyone who wants to come to the January Life and Health event uh, where Alex is show, let me know. That's 19th of February, but it's invite only, so you've got to drop us a line. Uh, and um, again, thank you all for coming and staying, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you.